Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to the Faces of TBI podcast series, the number one podcast for brain injury and concussion resources. I am Amy Zellmer, founder of FacesofTBI.com and your host. Today I will be chatting with Guy Odishaw about the emerging field of bioelectric medicine. This episode is brought to you by Integrative Brain Centers. Located in Denver, Colorado, Drs. Shane Studman and Perry Maynard are experts in functional neurology and treat complex concussion cases from around the country. With over 20 years of combined experience, they are leaders in helping patients who are suffering from post-concussion symptoms, including dizziness, vertigo, headaches, dysautonomia, and more. For your free consultation, you can find them online at integratedbraincenters.com. Hello, I am Amy Zellmer, and you're listening to Faces of TBI, a podcast series for survivors by survivors, raising awareness about traumatic brain injury, one podcast at a time. For those of you who might not know who I am, I am a TBI survivor from a fall on the ice in February of 2014. I'm a frequent contributor to the Huffington Post, Thrive Global, and the Goodman Project. And I am author of Life with a Traumatic Brain Injury, Finding the Road Back to Normal, available on Amazon. Additionally, I am editor-in-chief of the Brain Health Magazine, and you can get a free digital subscription at thebrainhealthmagazine.com. You can learn more about me and the podcast at facesoftbi.com, and you can connect with me on Instagram at Amy Zellmer. I also invite you to join my private Facebook group, Amy's TBI Tribe, to connect with other survivors, caregivers, and loved ones. Today, my guest is Guy Odishaw, and he is the co-founder of Cerebral Fit Brain, a bioelectric medicine device company that translates the latest medical research into solutions for lifetime optimal brain health. They're taking on chronic conditions like dementia, anxiety, depression, ADHD, macular degeneration, pain, and more, and are succeeding where conventional medicine has failed to treat these conditions. Guy is also the founder of Bhakti Wellness Center, one of the largest, most diverse integrative medicine clinics in the U.S., and co-founder of the first integrative medicine clinic in the university healthcare system at the University of Minnesota. His approach to brain health is informed by over 30 years of clinical experience, specializing in treatment-resistant chronic pain, traumatic brain injury, and psycho-emotional trauma, and the 14,000 patients that he has treated. Welcome to the podcast, Guy. I'm really thrilled to have you here and hopefully learn some new stuff about bioelectric medicine. Well, thank you for the opportunity to talk with you and your audience. Yeah, excited to have you here. And um, it sounds like you're a fellow Minnesotan, so that's exciting. I am, yes. What are the chances? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, Guy, why don't you tell us, let's start with a little bit of your background and how did you come to work in this brain injury realm? What brought you here? Sure. So, the beginning of my career was in integrative manual therapies, so doing mostly hands-on work. In general, migrated towards trauma 
um, started to specialize in cranial sacral therapy, which just by based on the name, because it says cranial, people think head. So then, you know, I started to see more people coming in with traumatic brain injuries and using primarily cranial sacral therapy to address the, you know, the sequelae of a head injury. And then, you know, through my career, I, you know, just kind of happened to get exposed within my clinic to a provider who did uh, bioelectric medicine, specifically microcurrent therapy, and seeing the results they were having with their patients was really an eye-opening experience. And that practitioner, um, you know, invited to train me. I trained under her for a while, then when she left our clinic, I kind of took over the bioelectric side. And that has just really continued my fascination between bioelectric medicine, trauma, and particularly brains. Mm-hmm. And now kind of, you know, within my clinic day, I may range from doing manual therapy, like cranial sacral therapy, or kind of passive bioelectric medicine, microcurrent light therapy, um, or into our, you know, kind of more advanced brain clinic where we might do neuroimaging, neurofeedback, uh, clinic-level neurostimulation. And, and so I can you know, kind of move fluidly through all of those different approaches, just trying to find what's right for this particular client that I'm seeing. Mm-hmm. You know, the, sometimes it's not the technology. Sometimes they just need hands-on. And I would say my experience is more often than not, um, we, we can get better results faster with the technology, but sometimes we need the hands-on. And so that's what we do. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So let's talk about the term bioelectric medicine. Um, Why don't you give our listeners like a definition? What does this mean? Sure. Yeah, great question. So it's a really broad umbrella uh, category. So basically the way, the way I think about it is um, we have uh, – everybody's familiar with pharmaceuticals. So we have pharmaceuticals, then we had nutraceuticals, supplements, and now we have mm-hmm. electroceuticals. And and so in a, in a kind of reductionist way, which I'm, I, I'm not a – fan of a reductionist perspective on people, but it, it is often easier to talk about our biology if we just presume a more reductionist model and think that, you know, we are kind of at our base um, chemical electric beings, right? Now, that's not true. There's a lot more to us than that, but for today's conversation, we'll focus kind of on that chemical electric spectrum and every thing that happens in the body is a chemical electric uh, transaction at the cellular level. And so we've done a, uh, you know, Western medicine has spent a lot of time on the chemical side, hence pharmaceuticals. And even if we think about nutrition, a lot of nutrition is based on the chemical side of that equation. Very little time and effort and research until recently has been spent on the electrical side of that equation. And so now we see a really rapidly growing um, marketplace 
both from a commercial consumer marketplace, but also within the academic research world, just an explosion of interest in the electrical side as we're seeing that, that there's, it's not just chemical, uh, with, you know, with electricity, there's things that we can do on the electrical side that they can't do on the chemical side. And so it's opening up a whole new way to interact with uh, the body and the mind. And so, so this general category of bioelectric medicine is really when there is an intervention that is focused primarily on the electrical side of that equation, understanding that everything is always a chemical electric in the end. You know, it's good to step back and see how the bringing an electrical device to the body also affects the chemical side and how bringing chemicals affects the electrical side. So it's always both. But in bioelectric medicine, we really talk mostly about uh, electrical inputs or m- manipulating the, the, the bioelectric gradient at the level of the cell or tissue or organ or organism. Um, so that's a really big, broad um, you know, description. And then maybe I'll just say a little bit about kind of where, do, you know, where does my company, Cerebral Fit, come in in terms of uh, you know, that whole uh, umbrella. So we use, um, whether it's light, so transcranial photobiomodulation, generally in the near-infrared spectrum. We use transcranial electrical stimulation, so alternating current or a direct current stimulation. We use photic entrainment. We use auditory entrainment. And then we use a microcurrent therapy, which is, again, a, an alternating current electrical field to address both body and brain. But there's reasons to distinguish between that approach and a true transcranial stimulation, which is a little bit more brain function-oriented than physiologically oriented. So, you know, we come in, we do a little bit of pulsed electromagnetic but not a lot. We stay mostly in light and electrical current. Maybe I'll pause there and if you have questions. Yeah. Well, I just want to help clarify because you've used some big words. Um, yep. So photobiomodulation, low-level sure. light therapy. Um, also, people might just hear it as infrared laser therapy. Um, correct? That's what we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, I mean, I, right. So, so, so the one you, you just said, the the near infrared laser therapy would would be under the broader category of photobiomodulation, in that we don't mm-hmm. always use lasers. You know, lasers are phasing out a little bit in terms of popularity. LED is becoming uh, more prevalent, um, but laser still holds sway and, and a lot of people think laser when you say light therapy, you say low level light yeah. therapy, people think laser, but more common is LED. And I also want to clarify, you kind of mentioned it and I'm going to get the words wrong, um, but to get through the skull, essentially, um, you have to have a specific uh, laser or light therapy, correct? Yeah, so there's a there's a bandwidth called near infrared, which is roughly going to expand, you know, span from 
800 nanometers to say what 1400 1200 uh, nanometers um, is going to be your near infrared spectrum then you'd go into a medium and then into a far infrared and far infrared is known for heat right you get a far infrared sauna um, and so most people will associate if you say infrared with far infrared and sauna we're nowhere near that spectrum we're down in the not heat producing near infrared which is right next to the visible red so um, visible red and near infrared largely have the exact same effects on the body the difference is depth of penetration so visible red light will go maybe half inch into the body mostly good for skin then near infrared we're starting to talk three four inches into the body and then there it starts to matter you know it gets technical from what's the difference no, between right. <laughs> one inch of present penetration to four inches um but yes near infrared is really what what we need to use for brain and again and it doesn't I need just, to be I laser wanted... it be yeah yeah and and i just wanted to make that clarification because there are so many products out there that are for the skin, right? Like I have this yeah. awesome um, LED red light therapy thing, but it's it's for skin. It's for immune system support. Um, it's not penetrating deep enough to, um, you know, stimulate the brain. Um, so there's, there, there are a lot of products out there, and I know it can get very confusing, especially um, for some of the brain injuries. So thanks for kind of explaining that further. And yep. then the yeah. microcurrent. Yep. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, and, it, and it's, it's a little worse than that from a consumer standpoint. And, and probably what, what got me to the point of, of my company developing some of our own products was my clients asking me the question of, well, what product should I get? You know, what about this one? What about this one? And as, as I started to look into the marketplace and realize there's just – there's no control. It's an unregulated marketplace. Um, there's sellers that will just simply misrepresent the product, but there's also plenty of sellers who don't know. Like they just know this is trendy, so they go and find somebody who's making something. It looks good. It's got a good price point, and they throw it on Amazon yeah. or wherever. And and so they they aren't misleading. They just don't know. And then it gets worse. There are people who are trying to to fully enter into kind of the wellness space and have a, a you know a legitimate product and and talk about it having effects in the body. Only they don't have the equipment to test the devices, so they don't actually know what they're putting out to their you know consumer base. So it it's 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 challenging. I mean, it's challenging as a consumer to find a product, even a product that looks like it's coming from a highly reputable company. Um, there's every reason to believe that even that company doesn't know what their product actually does. Um, and, and so that's the challenge. Right. It's really hard for, as a consumer to, to go out on your own and, and find a device that is, as advertised um, and then pay the right price for it because right. I have clients <laughs> come cheap. in with a, 
No, and and and, and expensive isn't a guarantee. I mean, you know, I have two of yeah. my clients, unrelated, came in. You know, one with a device that cost six thousand dollars. I was like, that's fantastic. That's a great little device. Uh, it does what it says. But I have a device here for sixty dollars that will do exactly the same thing. So you paid six thousand, but you could have paid sixty. Um, and and so that's also part of what's happening out there in the marketplace is, is people are buying these products at, at a kind of a low cost, marking the price way up, and then it's all about marketing and, and you know, seducing a consumer into buying your product. And most of what's being said is just not true. So it's just challenging. Um, you know, I feel for my clients who want to go out and participate in what is a really legitimate form of of healthcare but they don't they don't know how to navigate the marketplace successfully so, mm-hmm. so it's an important conversation to be had uh, so that we can just help people get a a reasonably priced product that has the medicinal effect we want it to have and that they can just safely use it and benefit from it that's the goal Mm-hmm. And then let's talk a little bit about microcurrent. Um, yes. I think the average person is familiar with like a TENS machine. Um, that's a form of microcurrent and the, and the ARP wave. Um, are there others that you're also using? Sure. So I'm going to just back up one step. So, so TENS is in the um, milliamp range. And so it's a thousand times more current than a microcurrent. So microcurrent is is a much smaller current, and certainly than tens or ARP waves. Um, so we're down at a at what we call a bioidentical current when we're in in microcurrent. Um, I'm a fan of what's called frequency specific microcurrent, although the majority of microcurrent used around the world is not frequency specific microcurrent that's a it's a brand it's a it's a paradigm of how to apply microcurrent to the body and why and there's a whole rationale i think they're doing great work it's one of the most effective forms that i have found but there are plenty of other forms out there that get great results but the key to microcurrent is unlike tens which tends tends to be oppositional to the body and we we leverage that in that it that it induces the body to do something, mainly a muscle contraction. If you need to rehab a muscle, that's what you need. Microcurrent will not help you. But if we want to change the uh, you know the electrical gradient at a level of a cell or a tissue or an organ, then we're going to have better luck when we can come in at a bioidentical current, so the body isn't resistant to it. And we can have an understanding of the frequency of the tissue or the function that we want to um, alter and can apply a, a proper waveform to create the change at, at that cellular gradient level that we want. And that's, that's the beauty of microcurrent is um, it's a very sophisticated tool to interact with the bioelectric system and, and kind of the intelligence 
of the bioelectric system as opposed to just pushing the physical system around, which is something like TENS or ARP does. I know. I've never been a fan of ARP. <laughs> I always think it yeah. hurts. Or yeah, not ARP, exactly. sorry, I mean, the, the TENS machine. The TENS, TENS machine I don't like. Yeah. I like the ARP machine. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, it, you know, it, it's, it's, like a, it's like any tool. When you need it, you're glad to have it, but but in this case, there there are other tools, and microcurrent is a little more sophisticated. Um, and again, if we get into the frequency specific, um, we we have a more precision tool, really a toolkit. Um, and we, you know, we can write protocols. So again, if we're tr- you know treating traumatic brain injury, like how many layers of the system were injured, right? So you know, the the skin of the scalp. The, the various layers of fascia, the bone of the skull itself, inside of that, the arachnoid layer, um, the dura, uh, the arachnoid layer over the brain itself, getting into the gray matter, the white matter. Um, then if we talk about, like, that's all kind of physiology. Then if we get into brain function, so talking about how brain regions are talking to each other. Um, and then if we get into kind of the housekeeping um, layer of the brain so the the microglia and what are what's their activity level and and if we want to be able to address all of those frequency specific microcurrent gives us a tool set to be more selective if i want to work with uh you know a concern that i feel is more in the dura than in the say in the brain itself in the, the gray or white matter then i have frequencies to work with the Dura distinct from other tissue structures and functions. So it's a little bit more of a scalpel than a blunt instrument. Yeah, and, you know, I think this is where I see traditional healthcare failing us, right? Um, As brain injury survivors, we need a much more uh, integrative approach, right? We need we need all the tools that are in the toolbox. We need them available yeah. to us. And in traditional medicine, it's often if you're lucky that you even get into some sort of program, it's usually cookie cutter. Right? Um I had nothing. I had zero from the traditional healthcare system. Um, they just kept telling me, "Oh, we just got to give it more time. There's nothing we can do for it." And I've met thousands of other survivors who've had that same scenario. So then we're left to our own to try and find modalities to help us. And I was fortunate that I found functional neurology, which does incorporate a lot of the tools that you're talking about. Um, And, you know, there's other wonderful facilities out there like yours that have the tools and and know how to use them, (laughs) right? Um, And know how to help us. Yeah, I mean you're right on. I mean the, the the you know the tragedy of kind of our frontline medical, and that there's something to be said when when we say so again. Traumatic brain injury is a big topic, right? and and it's the more obvious end, the more traumatic, the more severe the injury, the bigger the medical intervention. They still don't always you know get it right or provide optimal care. But the the window from 
you know, the, the, the re- relatively minor, you know, the, the five mile an hour car accident, um, the minor slip fall bumped your head to a more significant injury, but, but nothing was, um, there was no bleeding. There was no obvious, you know, trauma to the body. This is a whole category that, that is just handled in, you know, about the poorest way it could. So it's still, it was every day in yeah. the clinic, people coming in and, <laughs> and they're maybe they're high school athletes or, or they're not athletes. They're just, you know, kids who are playing, but you know, they hit their head and may, maybe they've got a parent who, who says, Oh, I should take them in. They get the, you know, the follow my finger. Do you have a headache? Did you, you know, did you throw up? No. Okay. There's no concussion. You're fine. Right. Like that's, Right. Like so You're much of, of concussion. Of, yeah. So much of, of kind of concussion care is that. And again, they, they catch the more kind of extreme uh, cases, but the vast majority are, you know, you're fine or you have a mild concussion, you know, you'll be fine, rest, no activity for a little bit, kind of that. But, but what's lacking from that is a, is a real understanding of what's happening in that brain, even in the case of, of a mild concussion and how that process that like that brain might not recover from that process period. And, and then that person will be affected perhaps minorly, perhaps more significantly for the rest of their life, potentially. And, right. mm-hmm. and, and to, to, to have that be the case, but to have the medical side of it still be follow my finger. Oh, you didn't throw up. You're fine. Like you're going to be fine. Just, you know, reduce your activity. It's so antiquated. And, <laughs> it is. I mean, it's just, and again, we have this thing with the brain where, you know, because it's locked in a vault, we interact with, for the most part, we interact with it uh, indirectly. Uh, through the eyes, verbal mind, but spend so little time actually looking at the organ itself. And and then, you know, we have the, the debate across, you know, the neuroimaging. How do you look for, if you're going to actually look at the organ, do you do an MRI? That's kind of the standard. MRI is terrible for picking up concussion. Unless there is damage at the level of the anatomy right. then it, it it has nothing to see right like your anatomy is fine therefore you're fine it is mm-hmm. insensitive to brain function it is in, insensitive to chemical changes at the level of the neuron and the synapse and so you know we're using an image imaging technology that can't see the problem, but we take it as right. a sign that everything is fine. Right. It's like, yes. no. Um, and, <laughs> like how and, is this still happening? <laughs> right. Right. It, you know, it, so 20, it'd be like taking an X-ray. Yeah. Taking an X-ray of, of tissue, like soft tissue when X-rays see bones and they don't really see anything else in a meaningful way. Like why would you take an X-ray of a muscle? Right, wrong imaging for that tissue. MRI for the brain. Again, there's places for it because in severe, where severe forces are at play, 
you can have anatomical damage. You want to see that. So it has a role to play. Right. But if we're, we're talking... We want to make this, sure there's not a bleed or... Yeah. Right. Um, but there's a whole other category of potential brain injury that that method is going to be useless for, yet that's what we do. Kind of want your doctor to say, okay, you know, you're walking in here, you're telling you the nature of the, the incident, um, you know, you caught an elbow playing basketball or you caught an elbow, you know, roughhousing with your friends. Um, we're in the low level, right, of, of possible damage, but we're not in the no damage. Uh, right. So, you know, here we're not going to do an MRI, we're going to do an EEG and you're not going to do an, you know, necessarily do an EEG today. You're going to wait a week and then you're going to go and have a, a, an EEG done and, and then have that read by somebody who reads EEGs for a living who can possibly spot those small uh, functional changes that tell us that there's reason to believe that there's something suboptimal happening in this brain and we should do something. And even QEG is not a, is not 100% for this at all, but it's at least getting into the level of information to have a chance of seeing it where MRI is not. Like it just isn't going to see it when we're in this sub-severe uh, category. You can see nothing. So EEG is a better choice but then also who's reading the EEG matters uh, 100%. If, you know, if it's a typical neurologist, they're looking for epileptiform activity. They're probably not going to see it. Everything else is like you're fine because you don't have epilepsy. Um, so, you know, you want somebody who's used to looking at those really subtle changes that are, are uh, phenotypes for concussion and, and then – you know, say, yeah, we should move down the path to treatment. And the good thing is the treatment options are, are good for brains, right? You know, just it's like to say that in to, general, to anybody, yeah, yeah. In general, it's just in general, like, like it's good for you. It's kind of like saying somebody comes in because, oh, you know, doc, I got a bad knee and the doctor looks at it and says, well, you know, like there's nothing torn, nothing is missing. You're not a surgical candidate. Everything seems to be fine. But just, just to make sure um, I'm going to put you on, you know, just a, a, a simple exercise program. You're going to exercise. And what we can say in general is, yeah, pretty, pretty much exercise is good for everybody. There's no downside, lots of upsides, go exercise. Same thing for the brain. Person looks, sees some, some functional Anomalies says, hey, let's do some brain exercises to, to help optimize what's happening here. There's no downside. There's only upside. Mm -hmm. Why not? Uh, you know, I mean, that, like, and that's right. kind of our thing is, you know, can't hurt, might help. The bar is low, like, especially when we use, say, bioelectric medicine and, and one of our main interventions for um, traumatic brain injury is audiovisual entrainment. It, you know, it's low cost, it's painless, it's 30 minutes a day, it can be at home. You know, it's like brushing your teeth. I, I call it the toothbrush for the brain, right? Is It's just everybody should be doing it, not just somebody who thinks they've had a brain injury. Everybody should be doing it. But certainly, if you 
have a brain injury or you suspect you have a brain injury, you should be doing audiovisual entrainment. Hands down. It, 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 it's a very potent regula, regulator of brain function. And, and so, you know, there's this low-hanging fruit here that that right. the medical system, but also the consumer could avail themselves of just, just again, there's very few barriers to entry. Cost, mm-hmm. do it at home. There's no risk. There's no downside. Just do it. Um, yeah. So, and like yeah. you said, it's it's good for the brain in general. Like for anyone who has a brain. Yeah. <laughs> Anybody who has a brain, is. exactly. <laughs> it is good practice. So, yeah. Yep. Um, yep. Well, Guy, we are just about out of time. So I want to take a few moments. Um, to mention how people can find you. Um, I do have a couple links in the show notes, so wherever you're listening, you can find these links. Um, But we have CerebralFit.com and BhaktiClinic.com. Tell us a little bit about each of those websites, what people will find, and how to work with you. Sure. So on either of those sites, so CerebralFit, and it's F-I-T at the end, CerebralFit.com, you can go and schedule a free 15-minute consult, or you can schedule a 45-minute consult, and if it's paid, but if a person goes forward with a treatment plan, um, then there's no cost for that longer uh, intake. And then CerebralFit is primarily like a virtual clinic. So I work with people all over the country, even all over the world, uh, we do a virtual consult intake. I would come up with a treatment plan, which might be you know one or two or three devices, depending on what's going on. Um, I ship them the devices. We do another Zoom. We walk through how to use them, set them up with their treatment protocol. They start care at home, and then we just stay in contact and monitor over time. Devices can be purchased. They can be rented. Rent goes towards purchase if a person wants to start with renting uh, just to try the device and see if Mm, if it's going to be helpful for them. Yeah, so this is a really great way, again, for people to try some of these technologies that can be expensive if you just buy it um, to do a rent-to-own. So your rent isn't wasted if you decide to buy. So it's a nice, easy way to to get into trying the devices. So that's Cerebral Fit. If they try uh, brainhealthclinic.com, B-H-A-K-T-I, Bhakti, Bhakti brainhealthclinic.com, there's also uh, a consult that can be booked uh, on that website. Bhakti is more of our brick-and-mortar clinic. We also can do virtual uh, uh, intakes and we can ship devices, but it's, it's more focused on in-clinic visits for neuroimaging, neurofeedback, neurostimulation. Uh, so pre- people coming in for kind of that high-end brain treatment, but all of the, the devices that CerebroFit has, Bhakti Brain Health Clinic has access to those same devices, and, and we can help people, uh, you know, non-local as well. Um, and, but it, for us, it, it all starts with the consult. Like, let's just talk to people, find out what's going on, uh, what's what's a you know are our devices and processes a good match? If yes, great. If not, more than happy to talk to people about other devices 
or if they have devices, how they might be able to use that device in a different way to help them with a new symptom. You know, we're, we're, we're here to help. Yeah, and I love the fact that you have the virtual options. I think um, – I know during COVID there was some um, – they got more loose with that, uh, but I, I appreciate the fact that you're able to do virtual um, appointments because there's people – Everywhere, like, you know, all over the U.S. that can live in rural locations, they can maybe not drive or not even be able to stand being in the car um, that can't get to a traditional clinic. So I appreciate the fact that you offer this virtually and can send them the tools. Exactly. That's the other thing. So my, my partner, Dr. Drobot, and I, when we came up with Cerebral Fit, we both have large integrative clinics. And it, it, there's just a limitation on, on you know, who you can see, mostly related to geography, also cost. Mm-hmm. So Cerebral Fit allows us to address a much larger um, patient population, and we can reduce the cost because the care doesn't require an in-clinic visit, which makes care more expensive. So if we can treat somebody at home, which most of the time for the things that we treat most of the time an at-home treatment plan is far superior than an in-clinic treatment plan. You can do treatment every day as opposed to however often you make the trip to the clinic or once a week or twice a week. And so it's it's better in terms of time uh, and money and it's better outcomes. So it's just a more efficient model uh, to treat people at home. And and the, the knowledge base and the research base um, around these modalities is growing exponentially as mm-hmm. um, more more researchers are getting into the field. The the field is showing the ability to have such a significant effect on so many conditions. That drives more research, but it also then drives more innovation in the product space, which yeah. then more application. We see more outcomes. So there's a there's a momentum building. Uh, that is pushing this to the forefront um, as a treatment model. And not to mention, too, you know, we didn't even really, we applied it, but I don't think we actually said that. Like, these are non-invasive treatments. Correct. Right? Like, like, (laughs) I know I have met far too many people whose neurologists insisted on putting in, like, an implanted, um, Sure. Uh, nerve stimulator and stuff like that. Like yep. that's invasive. That's surgery. Um, things can go wrong <laughs> with surgery, right? Um, yeah. There's always a risk. So this stuff is so incredibly low risk. Um, yeah. It it really can't hurt you. Uh, I mean, I suppose I should disclaim no. that, but there always is a chance. But <laughs> yeah, but if you if you look at the research. And you know, there's there's one kind of major, just very comprehensive study. They they looked at over 30,000 studies, um, many hundreds of thousands of incidences of treatment, and there was zero adverse effect. So hundreds mm-hmm. of thousands of treatments, zero adverse effect. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. it's stunningly low, and and you know we have this general sense of like, well, then how can it be effective? And the main thing is 
we're all used to Western medicine, which is kind of a, yeah. uh, you know, medicate it, cut it out, cut it off. You know, it's, it's kind of, it's anti whatever the problem is. Like, you know, we want to kill something mm-hmm. where these approaches are all about vitalizing. They're about rehabilitating yes. the natural mechanism, right? So they, they, they're not anti anything. They're, they're pro, like they're, they're helping the system become more vital, more resilient. They're not negative against anything. And, and that's why the, the low risk is you're, like with infrared light. Infrared light has 11 benefits. Anybody can benefit from near-infrared light. You don't have to have a symptom. You don't have to be unhealthy. Take a perfectly healthy people person, and you can, you can increase their vitality and resilience by adding in near-infrared light. And same is true. You take somebody who is very unwell, and you can help revitalize their system. And there's just no downside. Like there's just no negative effect. It's, it's like I tell my clients, you, you get more light walking from your car to the clinic than when I put this helmet on your head. Yeah. And, yeah. and walking in the sun didn't hurt you, right? You were fine. Um, now the difference is, right, uh, people will then say, well, guy, why don't I just go stand outside in the sun? And you could, I encourage it, but the sun gives you a mix of, say, uh, ultraviolet and the blue spectrum, which in really low doses is good, like talking minutes, but in larger doses becomes negative. The near-infrared that's in the sun is there to counterbalance the other negative influences so that we, we evolved in sunlight. The infrared is there to balance out the negative side of it. So when we give the body just the near-infrared without the harmful, like the UVA, UVB, the blues, um, the person just gets the positive effect without that infrared light having to mitigate the negative effect of the harmful rays. So that's, that's why near-infrared works. It's, just, it's a net positive, but that's how it is in nature. It's a, it's a net mm-hmm. positive uh, form of of solar radiation. So, so yes, I mean, these things are, are this, we are fond of saying in our clinic, can't hurt, might help. <laughs> and, yeah. and the might is actually very often, I mean, about 85% success rate using bioelectric medicine. So that's a pretty big might when it comes to, to helping. Well, Guy, thank you so much for being here today. This has been a truly wonderful conversation. Um, lots of really good info packed in here, so some of you might want to go back and, and listen to this one again. Um, but thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for your time. It was a delight. And thank you, everyone, for listening. I really hope you enjoyed today's episode. Just another big thank you to our sponsor, Integrated Brain Centers. You can find them online at integratedbraincenters.com. And, again, you can always find previous podcast episodes on most streaming devices, such as iTunes, or directly at facesoftbi.com. You can follow me on Instagram at Amy Zalmer, and also be sure to join Amy's TDI Tribe on Facebook. And if you are enjoying this podcast, please consider supporting it for just $5 a month with a Patreon membership 
That's patreon.com slash Amy Zalmer. Thank you all so much for listening. Thank you for being a part of my journey. Have a great day, everyone, and I will see you in the next episode.